Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me for the season two, episode two of Beer with Darren. Tonight, I'm joined by an absolute legend known as Billy Humphreys. He literally puts the snapping back. That is what he does. <laughs> Billy, nice of you to join me. How are you, sir? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. I appreciate you joining me at 8 p.m. on a Thursday evening. So I appreciate I time. This was season two. I feel privileged now to be asked. Yeah, you're season two. So what we did was everyone in season one was complete test cases for us. So apologies to everyone in season one. we had some really good guests but it's one of those things where when you're starting a podcast you know it's really practice as you go um so hopefully we've nailed it now um but yeah so thank you for joining me what are you drinking well unfortunately i had no beer in the house so i had to raid something else from my wife drinks i've got vodka and just some lemonade which is quite nice and i've not drunk alcohol since february so it's it's a nice change could be an interesting episode then (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i've got i've got a carlsberg pilsner and it's one of those ones with the screw caps right oh, which no. is, it a is plastic interesting bottle? plastic bottle so my theory is that um carlsberg had a load of beer produced for the stadiums but because of lockdown they couldn't have it so they've sold it to the retail shops so i managed mm-hmm. to get it in there so yeah we it's going cheap in a, have a bottle of corona but i um i threw it away because i couldn't keep looking at it <laughs> Actually, that's a nice point, right? So, can you imagine being the brand manager at Corona during this? Do you think it has made an impact, though? I've, I've seen graphs suggesting it has that the sales yeah. are down and they're having to do quite a lot of promotions. Where if you go in the supermarket, every other beer is sticking to their price, but Corona's got a discount. Yeah, and I love Corona. Bit of lemon, pop it in, bosh, it's great. I oh, see. I'm more of a lime kind of man, actually. I like it on holiday. Holidays are great shout with a Corona. Yeah, holidays seem like a distant memory, don't they? I know. What's the holiday feel? Oh, the last time I went on bro- abroad was the week before lockdown, and we went to France to our French office for our quarterly management meeting. And I was on the last flight home from Nice because I had to do loads of filming in the office. So I got the last flight out, and I kid you not, there was probably. 50 people in the entire airport it was like a ghost town and then on our flight home it a bird flew into the plane so they had to wash all the plane down and then once we got on the plane there was only six of us on the whole flight including the crew so it was literally that was uh david putting on a private jet for you yeah i felt like a rock star i was like this is what (laughs) i feel like just a massive airplane Oh, that'd be amazing. I was, I was actually meant to be in Disney World um, three weeks ago, so I was meant to have my holiday during all of this. Um, can't say I'm in a rush to go to Florida right now, though, I'll be honest. No, well, we, um, me and my wife were supposed to be going to, we were supposed to go to New York at the end of June, and, yeah, that's that's going to be a long time since we go, yeah, in the future for sure, but... Well, gives you some time to save up your shopping budget, I guess. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Spare suitcase, go to the designer village and just buy everything, basically. Amazing, amazing. So for the people that are listening that don't know you, um, yeah. sh- shame on them, they should do. Do you mind just giving a little bit of background um, about yourself, where you've worked and uh, yeah, what you do? So yeah, I'm Billy Humphreys. I'm the Senior Marketing Manager at MRL Consulting Group. So we are a niche tech recruitment company based in Brighton. Um, we have been going since 1997. I've worked in marketing within recruitment for about four years. Um, I kind of literally fell into, I hate when people say that, but I did fall into marketing. I didn't go to university, didn't study it. My background was kind of performing arts and I was a singer, show team abroad, whatever you want to call it. And then kind of did that in Mallorca, across the Med, all these places, and then decided to come back and start a real career. And then ended up doing, I was like an assistant for like a production events company. And we would... We work with like JCB and they have their big dancing digger show. And I'd be involved with like making the music, doing some videos and putting together like presentations where we'd pitch to companies. So we won a contract in Dubai where we did all the entertainment for a big water park out there. So we come out of like different campaigns. We did stuff for like Chesington. So the creative side probably started from that. And then I was like, I need to get a real job. And I fell into years ago on like an entry level salary marketing executive role a long long time ago and kind of just literally fell into it that way and kind of worked my way up and then my wife knew a contact who was looking for a marketing person recruitment and that's kind of literally how I started on the journey doing recruitment 
Mason, that was at the Friday Media Group, was it? Yeah, that's that. Yeah, so I I say this a lot. My wife effectively was in the interview for me because the part of their brand was um, it's a classified website company. So like eBay, um, they have competitor like a competitor to eBay. It's called Friday Ad. It's quite well known down in Sussex, and they have um, print media as well. And they acquired hundreds of websites, and one of them was buying and selling horses. And my missus rides horses, she's got a horse. So I knew nothing about horses or anything about that at all. And the interview was to work on that brand. And I was like, I need you to help me. What do I talk about? What do I do? And she was like, well, we just got to talk about this. So I went in and they were like, bloody hell, this guy knows loads of stuff about horses. So I, she I, <laughs> she has to take the credit really to get, for, get me into marketing. So. so you're an equestrian expert as well as a, a marketer. Exactly, yeah. An equestrian at heart. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and Friday Media Group is quite a large company and you started off as an exec and managed to end up the group marketing manager in quite a short space of time from what I can see. How, yeah. how did you go around that journey? So the team was set up there. You had B2B, B2C and then you had a design team, you had SEO, you had traffic analysis, all that stuff. And you got thrown in the deep end to learn about email marketing you got thrown in the deep end to learn about social media and effectively I was just posting pictures of fat horses and kind of memes before memes even existed. And the traffic going to the Facebook page onto the website was massive. And the guys were like, Billy must know what he's doing. And I was like, honestly, I don't like, I'm just listening to what the audience want. Like they want to, and a lot of it was my wife in terms of this is the stuff they want to see. So if it's equestrian stuff, it's about horses or is it tack that they want to buy? And it was literally, it was my first real experience of kind of going, understand what that customer wants, be it they want to buy a horse or they're young kids that like looking at horses. It's like, I like looking at cars and guitars. I'm not going to go and buy a Ferrari, but I like looking at all that stuff all the time. So it was kind of that mentality and the traffic was going crazy. We were getting like 3 million impressions a week on Facebook. And this is before all the algorithm changed and you had to spend loads of money to get that. So they very quick were like, oh, you know what you're doing? You can be a manager. And I was like, what? I was like, I've not managed anyone in my life. Like, how can I manage people? Like, I haven't got a clue. And they very quickly, they were like, you can like manage a team. And then I went to manage like eight people and I did a terrible job. Like, I'll absolutely be honest about that and be like, I didn't do a good job as a manager because I thought you had to basically tell people what to do instead of giving them the tools to do it and then they do it they make their own mistakes but i was pretty much a dictator and it's horrible thinking about that i think i think everybody is when they first become a manager and it's not because of the power trip it's because you are so keen to do a good job that you feel like you have to control everything yeah and i had no coaching like you it was no like oh yeah we'll put you on a management training course for six to eight weeks it was like yeah just do it you'll be fine it was so it was so chill it was so laid back and then, and I'd like to be fair, I'll be honest, half the people probably left because they hated me because I was then kind of going, well, I'm now not doing all the work. I'm managing a team and I miss because I'm, I would say like, I'm quite creative as a person. So I miss that whole create, I miss doing the work. So I was a bit like, I'm out of my comfort zone here. I didn't really like it. So I then kind of moved away from that and went into the product side of stuff and then looked at kind of the whole product cycle and kind of when we built a new website we looked at right what does a customer really want and then looked at the product marketing side of things and then from that they i had a bit of an a understanding of recruitment because they had a few job boards so really niche job boards so we'd have like meetings with it was run from a preston office but they would come down we'd have team meetings so I very quickly, you kind of under, you kind of learned about everything. I went from going on a horse brand to working with guns, like like country shooting. It was like you learned then I did a bit of recruitment. So you literally got thrown in and learned about every different type of audience. Um, and it was a great way to learn. And I don't regret anything about learning that way because I learned best being thrown in the deep end and kind of learning how you go. You make a mistake, fine. Just don't make it twice. That's kind of what I kind of try and live by. Um, yeah, and and, and, with, and with, through our marketing sort of journey at the moment, everyone always says to me it's trial and error. Um, and often people are too scared to make the errors. What, what's um, if you don't mind me asking, what's your biggest fucker in marketing? 
So one of our biggest competitors was Horse and Hound because they had a buying and selling page on the website. And before I worked there, they, they it was always a battle between the because we were getting more traffic. But the thing with horses, horses, so many horses are like with like animals in terms of like the welfare of the animal, like you always get it with sellers who are selling horses for the wrong reasons and stuff like this. And there was a big campaign that we did to really to stop fake sellers and get people that are being horrible to horses and selling like malnutrition horses, get them off the site. And then it was Christmas. And I remember, and it was completely in my head. It was perfect. Cause I was thinking, well, and it all come from one of my wife's friends is a horse. She owns a yard and, she buys and sells horses and she does it all the time. And she has a collection of horses that she then has them where people can kind of ride them. And I thought, well, we must appeal to not just one person who is a hack and they go out on horses. Let's appeal to like a dealer. So I remember at Christmas being like, oh, don't get one horse, get three. And in my head, I was like, yeah, this is perfect because it's the right audience. And I remember like they run a story on like this is the worst campaign like anyone's ever done like how dare they think and I, I'm there like shitting myself going oh my god I'm gonna get sacked I'm absolutely gonna get sacked for this because you didn't really have to like go is it all right if I run this campaign because nine times out of ten it always drove traffic and so I was thinking, well, this is fine because we want to appeal to a new type of audience and there's loads of horse dealers. So let's go with a campaign like that. So that was a definitely a, a, a bad thing I've done. <laughs> um, I've definitely, oh, dear. And that, that, that feeling must have been horrible. Yeah, I've done another one where I um, sent an email and I didn't proof it. And I, well, I did proof it, but I actually sent the test email that was not proofed in the slightest. And it was like it was written by a four-year-old. And we had people come out and be like, this is ridiculous. And I was like, oh, shit, this is my work. This is all me. And you're like, you're sweating. You're hot. And you're like, oh, my God. You're just waiting for someone to come over and say something to you. And it was like, Billy, have you got a minute? And it was like, oh, God, drink drink the beer or whatever it is. <laughs> Grab the vodka. And was that, was that before the days of having to have unsubscribe links everywhere? Was that the yeah. only way they could tell you they didn't like it was to reply? Oh, yeah. So, we yeah. And you got back then we had database. So I think it was millions and millions we had because we had like 200 websites. So the subscribers we had, it was in the millions for some of the some of the pages. So we'd send out a monthly newsletter to like 100,000 people all the time. And we and we, they, they had a whole email team. So when GDPR, it was actually before GDPR, like a few years before it really got um, the legislations came in and the guidance was was spoken about they did a great job in terms of right let's actually be ahead of the curve here we've got so much data what we don't want to do is get stung because we've been spamming people so very quickly it was you went from email in a hundred thousand people to like segments of these people we still did that anyway but from as a marketing people you very quickly were like okay we need to be a bit more conscious of who we're spamming basically yeah, absolutely. And and what's interesting is I, we're kind of very similar because I didn't get a degree in development. I'm self-taught programming. I became a manager and realized I didn't like it. <laughs> but where I'm a little bit different is I did enjoy the salary. So I stuck with it. <laughs> what do you like about code? I'd love What do I like about code? I like creating things. So where you said you're a creative person, I love the fact that I can type some code out and I can work on it and then give it to somebody and they use it. And it's yeah. I get joy in people using what I build. And I imagine it's similar to you when you have your campaigns, et cetera. I'd love to be able to write code, but I look at HTML and understand it. But if someone said, right, write an email code now, I'd be like, you've not a chance, like not a clue. To be fair, email is the hardest HTML to write because none of the, none of the, uh, the like Outlook, for example, they don't support modern CSS and modern HTML. So you're still using like center tags and stuff like that. It's a nightmare to, to write emails I, I hate writing email html yeah it's just the <laughs> matrix but when you so when you went through the self-learning stage um in your career what were some of the best resources how did you how did you actually upskill yourself when everybody else around you had these degrees etc and you became their manager that must have been quite an interesting situation oh, good question i it wasn't until after i left friday media group that i then 
so when I left, I then went to work in recruitment. So I was used to having a department that did emails, a department that did design, and you did the B2B and the B2C, and you did the campaigns, you did the social media and stuff. Then in recruitment, you then realize it's you, like there is no one else. So very quickly, you are you are literally that sole person who is responsible for everything. And then also you get involved with some of the operations. It's not just the marketing. And that was a big eye opener, I think. And when, like, I've never th- seen myself as a graphic designer at all, or like a videographer. Like if someone said, what do you do? I just be like, well, I'm all around marketer. I can kind of do, a, I'm like jack of all trades and a master of nothing. So it's kind of, I've, I've kind of learned on my own. YouTube has been my, even today I was on YouTube I was on InDesign and I was like, why can't I do this? Like I've been using this for like five, ten, like 10 years. How do I not know this? And I just literally put it in YouTube and literally followed it while I've done it. And I think that's all I've done. Any Adobe software, I always have just looked on YouTube and found tutorials. But now there's like a whole series of like, there's some guys that have like 60 videos, which is like from beginner to advanced. And you can literally, free videos, not got to pay for it. You can go along every single journey and you will literally be a pro by the end of it. So from that, that's been a massive learning thing to use. Um, with email marketing, a bit like how you're looking at your strategy, it's a bit like trial and error. So like A-B testing. When first people were talking about A-B testing or like subject line stuff, I was like, well, what do you mean? Like you just got one. And they were like, well, no, you can you can segment it. And that was just like mind-blowing. Like you mean you can segment this email and just go, we're going to send it to 10,000 people, but 20% will get a different subject line. And then whatever gets the best out of that 20% will go to all of them. And then you're just like, well, this is just an a complete game changer in terms of you can really hone in on what your message wants to be. Um, so that was that was really good. All the events, I think, is a, is a massive learning thing. So where we are in Brighton, you've got Brighton SEO and from the outset is very seo driven but now we know seo just isn't technical seo it's content-led seo as well and those huge all-day conferences where you've got people talking who work in industry they work for agencies that's a massive learning thing because you then realize it's not just you on your own there's lots of agencies out there that can help there's lots of courses you can do i've actually never done a course ever i need to i want to start looking at ppc and have more of a kind of adwords i know how to do it and i've, I've again at friday media group we had a ppc team for god's sake so never had mm-hmm. to do it because it was very much like we want to target these people here's a creative and here's the ads there you go you do it and they they basically done all the work so it's kind of now that you know well, in recruitment you're kind of it's just you or we're lucky to work with a couple of agencies that kind of do bits and bobs so it's helped me in the long run because now i know all that stuff dealing with an agency it's so much easier to instruct them because the worst thing i've always thought is when you deal with an agency and you know nothing about it but you're the one who's got to kind of steer the direction so no kind of learning about seo and learning about even just the technical, just a real basic technical SEO, it puts you in such best. Not if you said to me, do a whole proper technical SEO audit, I'd probably just go, well, I'd buy a platform, plug it in, run a few reports, and then off the back of that, it will give me a tick list of stuff I've got to do. That's all I'd do. I wouldn't actually be able to go looking at the code and actually proper do that side because I think you're either a real creative marketing person or you are, you love data, the technical SEO sides. There's sometimes there's crossover, but I'm definitely more towards that creative side for sure. Yeah, and being a lone ranger, as you as you put it, so just yourself, but being able to instruct agencies, outsource certain parts, does that suit you better than managing a team or do you want to build a team under, with, under you or with you? Yeah, I definitely want to build a team around me, 100%. Um, I think now I'm considerably older i know what the mistakes were how not to do that again i think you always having agencies is good because we work with a couple of like for example we work with a pr pr agency and the money we're paying for an agency you could argue i could have one person full-time in the office and that is their sole job 
However, with an agency, there's like eight people who actually are working on that account. So from there's pros and cons, obviously, because from a full time person, you've got them 365 days a year. But with an agency, you're limited to a certain amount of days a month. But I think where we are right now, I'd much prefer to have a team off site, which you can kind of instruct and kind of navigate and kind of give them the direction that you want. Don't get me wrong that I'm not kind of the way I'm very ingrained in the marketing MRL. We, we don't, there's some agencies who, um, so again, going off piece a little bit, like a load of people in Brighton, it's like the dream to work for like Nestle or a big brand. They're in Gatwick. They're just up the road. And when at Friday media group, you did all the creative, and then that was kind of a goal to go there. And then you went there and you realised that you did none of that because it was an agency in London that did all the creative. They did everything. And you were just kind of a marketing admin person that didn't really do the marketing. And I find that in marketing and recruitment, you can definitely do that. I think you're frozen again. No, no. I'm still here listening to you. Sorry. <laughs> it looked like you frozen for a sec. Um where can I lead into that? Um, <laughs> well, good. No, I was I was listening intently. Sorry. So sorry. it's it's, inter no, it's interesting what you were saying because what I found was that you can either be a small fish in a very big pond, right, or you can be a big fish in a smaller pond. And I I personally enjoy playing a more pivotal role. I prefer well right now. Obviously, I've changed tact a little bit and start my own business, but that's a whole other journey. But before before Pager. Um, you know, I, I preferred playing a pivotal role. I didn't want to be just another developer that sat there, you know, churned out some code and then went home for the day. That was never what I wanted to do. I always want to work for a company where I feel like I can make a difference. And I, I get the feeling that's the same with you. And you, you do make a difference in MRL. The, the, the feedback I see online, from what I can see, MRL really value marketing, which is unusual in recruitment. Um, I don't know how aware you are of that, but uh, I'm sure you are. Yeah, no, I um, completely get it. I think to talk about your point about being in grade i think a lot of it comes down to and janine lovely janine owen mentioned this and it's and i couldn't agree more about the whole imposter syndrome where i for the and even there's times now where you're above you with your peers and you kind of think am i actually good enough to do this or like am i just blagging it a little bit because I kind of go, I've not gone to uni. I've just kind of learned. And don't get me wrong, nine years of doing it, you kind of go, listen, Bill, give yourself a bit of credit. You've done it for nine years. Like, you know what you're talking about. But then when, and I know that a lot of people feel like this in marketing, especially in recruitment, because you're like, you've got all these peers around you who kind of been doing it and they've got these great results. And there's an element of that where if you then go higher up and you've got people below you, you're set on your throne and you kind of you stop learning because you're not in I think that's probably in my head a bit too much where that's why I still if I grew a team out I still I would not want to be going you do this and you do this and I just kind of sign stuff off I still want to be massively involved with it's much now like doing the strategy but then actually implementing the strategy but then doing it like oh I'd hate to go this is the strategy there you go, minions, you now do it. And I'll just go, I don't like that. Or I'm not sure we've hit the mark with that. And don't get me wrong, the big, big recruitment companies, there are your VPs, your heads of marketing. That is the role because once you get to that stage, you are just looking at budgets, you're looking at ROI. But of course we do that in MRO of course as well. But I kind of like juggling. This sounds stupid, but when it's happened like since lockdown there's been times where i've had like i don't know three tasks a day for a week and i've gone i don't feel like i'm doing enough work but it's because i'm so used to juggling stuff and going at such a fast rate and on the lonely marketer group that's just normal like the amount of marketing people i talk to and they're just like yeah we're used to bashing out all these tasks every single day you just get used to that so i think that's a that's a huge learning thing for definitely multitasking and and when you when you moved from friday media group obviously you had that big team and you went to the job board briefly but you were used to being i guess a small cog right in a, in a machine yeah how did it change when you joined mrl and i'm assuming for the first you interacted directly with the sales team 
So Friday Media Group was marketing led and I 100% took that for granted when I went into recruitment. We'd literally go, and it's, it's and MRL is at this position now, but when I worked in my first recruitment, so at Friday Media Group, you would do an email campaign, you'd send the leads over to the sales guys, and the sales guys would be like, this is amazing. I've got all these hot leads to call through. Like This is unbelievable. I then worked in recruitment and they had no idea what that was because a recruitment consultant is hired to bash the phones, send in mails and send emails and that's it. And the marketing people in some recruitment companies are there to jazz things up, make things pretty on social media and that's it. And we're going back like five, six years ago. Now it's changed massively, but a big learning curve for me was that buy-in from recruitment consultants because you're coming in they just they don't see the value of marketing because they've never really known what a marketing person can do in recruitment because they've all recruitment consultants are there end of the month their target goes straight back down to zero unless you recruit unless you're in contract but it's the same zero you hit your target and then you start again so they don't care about other departments they it's like oh yeah you do stuff on linkedin and it's like actually it's so much more than just posting about the jobs and i think getting that buy-in was really difficult when i first did my first recruitment company and I, I just don't think they really got it um we did a lot of videos but and again it was such in its early infancy before odro hint of you even that those were even in existence back then um and it wasn't until i then just before i left that company we started to implement some things and, and it was they got it a bit and it was like we can do these campaigns we can build these landing pages for clients and then we can send all this all these leads you're trying to call and you've got all their email addresses give them to me and i can just send emails out and all the clicks i can give you them and it was just like, like <laughs> it's amazing and it very quickly went from you being that person who was just posting stuff to having a queue at your desk going come have a campaign come have a campaign and you're like wow i'm really busy now like okay so then you're just juggling again and it's the it's just the cycle of that kind of that the machine basically yeah and how did you move from because i think that's probably everyone's struggle right if you're the current in department as they as they call it or i i, I speak to a lot of people you know all day every day ceos marketers and the biggest bugbear for me is when somebody says this is my marketing girl I hate that. I hate it when I hear this is my marketing girl. So if anyone's listening to this and I spoke to you and you said that, yeah, I hated it. And this is me openly telling you, people are not marketing girls, right? <laughs> They're marketing managers, marketing execs, you know, marketing girl is not a thing. Um, how did you how did you manage to move it? Because I understand you went from you know, not being bought into having a cute your desk. That process couldn't have happened overnight. So how did you go about influencing that from the top down? So so I can use MRO as a prime example. So I think David is um, the, the CEO at MRL. He loves marketing and he completely gets it. And he wanted somebody to come in who could do marketing and recruitment. And I think that's how the conversation, David knew of me because I worked for another recruitment company and we went for a coffee and that was that then that was it like it was history literally as as people say and he said come in and meet some of the guys and i was like do you want me to do a presentation he was like no 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 just come in and meet people i stayed up all night and did like a 60 page presentation on mrl and he was like, what the fuck is this and i was like well i've got to make an impression so straight away there was buy-in from the senior team which was great and they and i think when you're i think the biggest struggle for people now marketing girls that come in marketing boys that come in they're seen as that marketing person to and it's evolved over the years before go back five years yeah they probably would have come in to put stuff on social media and do some um presentations but now it's evolved so much the expectation of someone is like it's through the roof even if you're a junior because it's evolved so much and the expectations because everyone's on LinkedIn, everyone sees everything. CEOs now go, we want that. 
Well, we want the more they've got. So what are they doing? And what campaigns are they doing? Well, I want all of that. OK, well, let's get a junior marketing girl in and she can do all that. So they'll do a job spec. Yeah. I've seen one. Well, I got sent a job spec for, to see if I could. What's your opinion on this job spec? And they want a junior marketing person. It was like junior marketing or social media manager. That was what they said. And the job spec was like four pages. And I was like, this is more than what I'm doing. And I'm a senior marketer. I'm pretty much senior marketing or head of marketing, however you want to call it. And I was like, you are asking, your expectation is for what you're asking for, someone's not going to come in unless you want someone experienced in doing it. So out of interest, what was the salary on that role? Do you know? They didn't. Under, they didn't know because they were like, "It's London based. What do you what? What do you think?" And I was like, "Honestly, well, it's London based. So if it's not gonna, if it's less than fifty, then you're gonna get, not gonna get someone who's good." And I think they're a bit like, "Oh right, okay." But a lot of it is people. Yeah. It's like you said, people. Some CEOs are so ingrained in the strategy, which is fine. That's their role. Or they've built the company up from the ground up, and they want all this marketing, but they just don't know where to start. And I think. That's where MRL, I've got that buy-in. But then, sorry, I've, I've literally gone round to your point. But the buy-in from this from the team, you, I had to prove myself within like the first month because I knew it was like all eyes on you. Like Billy's bought in. Billy knows marketing. Billy knows everything about marketing. And I'm like, God, this is like, the, this is where the imposter syndrome kicks in. And I'm like, have I bitten off more I can chew it because i'm literally being put on the pedestal and if i fuck up that's it like i need to go back to doing something else not in recruitment and like it was very quickly that i had to kind of get buying from the consultants and we very quickly worked so we work across like seven different sectors so i was like right let's break it down who's in what market and what can i do to help get you conversations with either candidates or clients and we very quickly started doing email campaigns, real basic stuff, like just literally we'll send a campaign out. I'll send you clicks and opens and that's it. And then who doesn't open it will send you a week later and then a week later and do like a five week campaign. And then we got into writing content for the guys and they never really had that before. The previous person that was there um, did a great job in launching the website. Um, and that was kind of where it kind of kind of fizzled out, really. So. I was very much brought in to go, right, we need to re we've got a new website. We need to tell everyone about it. We need to you know, get clients and candidates to know what we're doing. And I was like, well, we need to get the candy, the, the consultants as like brand ambassadors. So I basically built up those can those are consultants to be like superstars in their market. That's all. And that's all we did. Like one of the guys, we, he works in the U S and he does a great job with the market he works in but no one really knew him and i was like right let's be really ballsy let's put stuff in your linkedin like you are the number one recruiter in this market in the us be really ballsy with it like don't don't be corporate but kind of because the, the conversations you're having with americans they are quite that bullish kind of conversation so just echo that let's echo that kind of language on linkedin and we put out an article for him and it was a it was a new market I wanted to go into and it was a bit of an opinion piece and it just blew up, literally blew up. And everyone was just like, fuck, Billy is good. Whatever he's doing is working. Can you do this for me? Can you do this for me? And I was like, yes, thank you. Yes, I can do this. And <laughs> since then, now it's, I feel like if I left MRL, touch wood, that doesn't happen anytime soon, they would know what they want the consultants would whoever whoever after me ends up working at MRL five, 10, 20 years later, the consultants now understand how marketing can support recruitment because before it was just, you're on your own. Yeah, we'll do a few social posts and that's it. And I think a lot of recruitment companies now have amazing, well, we speak to them all the time, like decent recruitment people who get it. And I think more people now are just understanding it. So I'm very lucky that MRL value me and they, David's very much like, you can literally do what you want. And I'm like, this is, this is a like, it's like the best job. Like, obviously I have a budget each year, but David's like, let's try this or let's do this. Or what about this? He, he sends me ideas all the time. And he's like, that was shit. Wasn't it? I'm like, Brilliant. yeah, it was a bit shit. 
But it's fine. <laughs> Let's try this. So it's nice to have someone on the side like that for sure. So it, it really helps to have a CEO that understands marketing because I, I think one of the biggest struggles for a marketer is when they get it, but the CEO doesn't, and they feel they're stuck or they try to they try to educate and try to change the company when actually they're not in a position to do that. No. The only person that is in a position to change that company is the CEO. I think the way to demonstrate, so it's a, I think as well, sorry to cut you off, I think if you are a junior marketing person, I think you it's gonna you're gonna struggle to kind of to get some unless they've brought you in because they can see um there's kind of a a path for you and there's kind of development for you to get to upskill on the job and that's great so then once you're at a level you can then influence i think if you are going in and you are have been doing marketing for a few years but the ceo still doesn't get it and you're new to that business it's it's the ROI, like it is. That's it's as black and white as that. If you're going to that CEO and going, we've done this campaign. It's cost us the monthly subscription and my time to do it, and we've now got three deals off the back of this email, and that equates to a hundred grand. The ROI is huge versus what it should have cost. And I think all it takes is a CEO to, for that to click, because they will all they worry about is bottom line. And marketing is not a it's a cost. Marketing is a cost. It's not a profit center at all. In 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 the majority of recruitment companies, MRL is the only one where I'm now seeing as like a profit center. Everywhere else is just you're just a cost. So now it's kind of like, what? Yeah. How do you actually demonstrate your return, and what are you doing? And and I think we're seeing that more than ever during this lockdown period, right? Because companies are struggling, so they're looking at what cost to cut. And unfortunately, we're seeing marketing being hit quite hard. Yeah. Um, which for me is incredibly sad because we're, we've actually had record new business months over this lockdown period. And the reason we've had that is because of marketing. I, 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 it's not because we increased our cold calling. It's not because you know, we, <laughs> we started sending random messages on LinkedIn to people hoping they come back to us. It was purely our marketing, you know, delivering value. Um, you know, our inbound leads have you know, skyrocketed. It's been absolutely fantastic. But that's only because we doubled down on marketing. On the flip side, you see many people that have gone, right, we need to reserve cash right now. Let's, let's cut people we don't need and marketing's been affected. What's your, if you had any bit of advice to somebody that has been affected, what would you say to them right now? And what is it in terms of they've been cut or? Yeah, they've been cut. So if you're if you're in marketing and you've recently been made redundant, have yeah. you got any advice for them as they're, as they're embarking on this job search right now? I would you need to stand out as much as you can in that market and if you've worked if you're working in recruitment and you've been made redundant you're now just you are now you need to be that superstar you need to stand out you look at these jobs and it says i think it was like 500 applications on linkedin already how is anyone going to stand out to 500 applications i i think being a marketing person who's been being made redundant or furloughed and then going to get cut if it was me, I'd think like a recruiter. I'd be like, right, who's that company? Who's the HR people? Who's going to be these people? Let's direct message them. Let's send them something creative. If you're a creative person, do those awful creative CVs, which recruitment companies hate because you can't format them. But as a marketing person, it's a dream because if you've got creative flair coming out your ass, that's all you're going to do. That's what I'd do. I'd literally be connected with HR managers. I'd be sending them stuff in the post. I'd be I'd think of me as my own campaign and go, right, what can I do to stand out? Like, is it gonna be a CV which you can turn into a paper aeroplane? Do you know what I mean? Like anything stupid. I love that. Do you know what I mean? Like something like that that's gonna stand out from the crowd or um an origami. So do you know what I mean? Something which is gonna make or do a video. And I know we work in recruitment, so we do video all the time, but when you're then on that job search, you just think my mate's a pilot who's been made redundant and he's like what do i do and i'm like you send videos to people he's like well that's, that's shit i'm like no it isn't because no other pilot will do it and you're the only one that's yeah. gonna find out when you do it and they're a bit like oh no i don't want to do it i'm like all right well that's fine but this is advice from someone who sees a lot of cvs and you're not going to stand out unless you do that so i'd use if you are i'd i'd shout to the him to the rooftops about your results in that in those companies i see it now seo companies on linkedin they talk about their results about what they're doing and what they're 
achieve, achievements are, and that's their that's their way of BD. That it's a bit like you guys, your testimonials you put out. That's that, that's BD. Like if you are a yeah. if you're a marketing person, why not just connect with as many people as possible and use Canva and just create these posts of ROI of what I can do in marketing and talk about Canva. Absolutely. Talk about campaigns. It's interesting you mentioned that. So we we call it um, we call it FOMO marketing. So we we quite early on we realised that, as you said, recruitment CEOs look at other recruitment CEOs and and their businesses, mm-hmm. and they go right. Well, this person's doing that. What they're doing. So every meeting we went to, uh, back when meetings were a thing, we we took a selfie of every single person we met, and it didn't mean they were going to buy the product. That meeting could have been actually you know we don't have the budget for it. But we took the selfie, we put it on LinkedIn, I and it's amazing it. how many you do, right? Yeah, so it's yeah, amazing yeah. how many messages we used to get by people saying, "Oh, if you're working with them, you need to come and speak to me." Now we weren't working with them; we had a meeting with them, we took a selfie, but they believed that our brand was associated with them just because remember, of one picture. I remember it was a trade show you were at, and you, it was like selfie, like all the time, just these trade shows. I was like, "Well, it's it's standing out." Like that's exactly it. Yeah, and that's that was our phone marketing, and actually you are. While we're on the subject of us, I guess I'll talk about it a little bit. You were my favourite ever um, email response that I sent to somebody. <laughs> I don't know if you remember it. I said I was too busy. And, and I replied with a link like, to Janine saying, if you're too busy, um, yeah. you need to stop saying that to Darren. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, anyone watching on YouTube, I'll flash up the email now. But it was my favourite ever email trail that I've ever done um, to a prospect, I guess, if, if you want to put a label on it. Um, yeah, I was quite proud of that one. <laughs> oh, it's true. So I just started MRL. And I was, I was like, literally up to my elbows in work. And it was like, oh, another supplier wants, it's another marketing tool, which is going to help me and save me time. I was like, who is this guy? Like, he's just sending fucking selfies all the time. But I'm seeing it. I was like, right, I'm seeing it all the time. I was like, well, and I remember seeing you, I was like, oh, he seems like a really nice guy, but I'm just way too busy to even do anything. And I was like, and you, then you sent that email back and I was like, well, that is a great response and i've literally got nothing to say back to it so i need to basically take this call i love it i absolutely love it and yeah <laughs> honestly it's going on my wall when uh, yeah when this business gets bigger and i've got a big office i'm going to print that out and put it on my wall because it was one of my favorite moments of my journey so far <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note actually so you you obviously have quite the the ability to try things at mrl what yeah. um and you don't have to talk about specific names or anything like that but what have you tried that's really worked for you? Is there anything that you go and oh, that is that is wow, that tool there is absolutely brilliant. And not necessarily inside recruitment, because I know you like to experiment with e-commerce tools as well. Um, tools. Okay, so yeah, so we have in our two other offices in France and Germany, we kind of, we, we class our Hove offices, our R&D lab. So anything we try, we roll it out to head office, work out if it works and roll it out. Um, the biggest thing we looked at, I'll say biggest, when I first started, I was like, let's look at chatbots. Let's look at stuff on the site because actually there's a lot of positives with that because candidates want to be spoken to all the time. We can do it manually. This is before AI bots come about. So we were like, let's try a couple of them. Um, and we saw great results off that, just manually messaging people. And I was like, there's probably other platforms. like, And then we looked at Drift um Mm. and they had an ai version on it and then it plugged into a crm and then we kind of went down that wormhole of looking at tech from that side was really good um we've looked at things like um zoom info is another one it's a great um database tool and it's amazing in the us um it's not cheap but the way it works is it's it basically puts code onto emails and it will crawl every email signature ever that gets sent out from your emails to everyone. It's just the code in an email signature. So it doesn't read your emails. It's just some bit of code in an email signature. And then they basically build up a database. Right. Okay. I've looked at that tool. I've never heard of it before. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll do some investigation on that. And which one's, which one's been your one where you go, this is effing brilliant. Pager. Oh no! I wasn't looking for that. No, no. no. <laughs> Excluding Pager. Oh, you're too kind. Excluding Pager. What's been the tool where you've gone? This is this is it. This is incredible. Oh god, that's such a good question. That's literally on the spot, and I'm like, I'm racking my brain to go. What tool have we used? 
the first time we built i built out a proper customer journey a custom journey on like an email platform even before mrl that was for me the kind of like the light bulb was like fucking hell this is amazing like it doesn't matter if you're a client or a candidate you could literally go down a wormhole down any journey as possible really yeah that was that was a big thing that was your that was your light bulb moment it's interesting because we're doing exactly the same right now and I, I, I don't know if you've seen but we're open sourcing our marketing so everything we're doing we're we're putting out in the open and you know went from churn customers to one customers and it's it's, it's quite a journey so far i didn't quite realize how in-depth marketing was digital marketing is um because i've come up with this massive workflow pipeline how people are going to come into the website different and what we've done is basically strip it right back and gone right they go here there and that's it and i'll, I'll share that next week but um my my exact moment where my mind was a bit blown was we've um we've been playing around with something called arm i don't know if you've heard of arm it's mm. um some of the team at marmalade marketing and oh, it's basically oh, designed uh yes yes so it's, it's, it's an email marketing crm it's all in one platform and i was setting up sort of the, the dragon flow workflow stuff today and i had the exact same moment as you where i was like so now i can tell it to wait two days and if they if they're not in this list by then send them this email and if they're not in that bit by then send them this and i was like this is incredible because this is everything i've been doing manually like i have post-it notes on my desk sitting there going right if billy hasn't replied in two days i've got to remember to do that and what's yeah. and all of this stuff um, it blew my mind as well absolutely blew my mind i remember years ago like zap zapier zapier or if this then that like that was a game changer at friday media group when we discovered that i was like hold on i can literally crawl this site and it'll put it into a doc for me and then from that doc it will then go onto my google drive i was like what this is i've got to do nothing like that was that was massive as well amazing amazing well i'm actually nearly out of beer i don't know about you how's your vodka going yes i've got a little bit left oh well is there any is there anything you want to say before we finish up anything uh to your you've got some loyal fans coming on to you i'm sure so anything you want to say to them i was going to ask you some questions go for it what is your grand plan what is your kind of where you're like my when when will you reach your conor mcgregor moment where you can just bowl in and everyone's like oh my god that's darren what is such a weird for that to happen my wife asks me this every day when will you be happy that's the same question she asked me um it's interesting because i didn't start pager to make money right that was never my goal my goal was to have a lifestyle where i can support my family ironically i'm working harder than ever and i don't see my family but that's a whole other subject um but it's uh that was never my goal was never to make money so when people say to me what's your exit plan i genuinely don't have one my goal is to be the best marketing tool digital marketing tool we've started with social and where that takes us i don't know um i enjoy the tech so i think i said earlier when i write code i enjoy the fact that users use it and i'll get feedback i'll get messages on linkedin i'll get comments saying this is fantastic you know that i can't tell you that that fills me with so much pride and joy um, because I spent time writing it, you know, every every line of code in Pager at this moment in time came from me. Yeah. So it's it really is. I'm just enjoying the journey, and I don't know when the journey is going to end. I just know I don't want it to stop. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's so exciting to 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 know someone that's doing this, like because it, like like you said, it's at the moment Pager is like this one little element, but actually it could end up being. 10 of 10 different things with recruitment like it's it's like how how long is a piece of string yeah because then the text bit's the easy bit right so everyone normally when people come to market what i found is they're they're ex-sales people you know they're, they're ex-sales people that had an idea and they found a team to outsource the tech to and they built it whereas we're very different because i, I worked in the recruitment industry if you like for 10 years um at broadbean so i've i learned the trade if that makes sense and broadbean was quite a a well-known tool we had a huge huge customer base so i you know i got to know i got to know the ins and outs of a lots of companies how they work i also at broadbean we were very driven by revenue right so whereas you're mentioning marketing was seen as a cost center you can argue in a lot of companies dev is as well but actually everything we did every story we made every tech story we came up with every product we released every update we did was always linked back to revenue so right. everything i build is is actually when we think about it we start with the customer first and we say what do they want you know and you've got sort of three categories does it does it protect existing revenue 
does it reduce churn if, if you like and does it add to revenue sure. um, and then we categorize everything into that so when i'm coming up with new ideas that's how we categorize it and then we prioritize it now if it's going to add revenue well that's great but how much if it's going to protect revenue that's more important because you don't want to lose customers um, I'm sure you know it's far more expensive to acquire new customers than it is to uh, get yeah. the ones you got. So, you know, we, we prioritize first our existing customers and we do that in our, everything we do. So our support channels, our marketing, you know, people that are on a trial period with us will come after the people that have been with us longer because we want to protect the revenue we've got. Um, and we do it through the tech as well. So I guess what's interesting is we're now at a point where I would say the product is the best social scheduler for B2B marketers. So it's kind of like tick that box. You know, when for a long time we were playing catch up with Hootsuite, Buffer, Sprout, um, you know, the list goes on, right? There's so many social schedulers. But because they we I know me. my niche. Sprout called Sprout called me last Oh, did they? And, and I you like, said no, mate, I've got pages. I was like, we use which is bespoke to our industry, and it's a it's a lot better than what you've got. And he was like, oh, what is oh, it? I was like, it's called Page and he's like, oh, I've not heard of it. I was like, it's because it's for recruitment. I said, but you'll know more about it very soon. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, and then, and that's that was always my goal, right, was to be the best social scheduler for B2B marketers. I feel like we're there. So it's right now we're looking at what's next. You know, yeah. How do we extend this? Um, and I guess that's part of the, the reason that I wanted to do marketing ourselves. So we're if you look at us as a business, and I think I wrote a post about it, we on paper we should have outsourced our marketing. Like we're we've got the, the budget to outsource. We haven't really got the budget to hire senior. We should have outsourced our marketing. But the reason I didn't is because I've seen it as a, a massive research piece, a massive learning curve for me because I need to understand my customers' pains. Yeah. I need to understand what they go through so I can then solve them with the product. So it's kind of a weird journey. But, but we're going to figure it. out where we go. You get my. I love it. You get it. So it's it's so easy to have this open source platform because you get it. Like you're not going. I don't understand. Like it's not like you're just sales, sales, sales. Like you've done dev. You've now done sales, and now it's kind of you're becoming that like the ultimate. You're literally like the th like the like in when I like musical theatre. It's like you you did singing, dancing, or acting, or you were a triple threat. You did all three. You are you are now like this triple threat. Like you've done the dev, you do the sales, and now it's the marketing. It's like Darren's like the all rounder. Oh, mate, that's very kind of you to say. That's very it, yeah. It, it's, it wasn't my goal, right? My goal was to, like I said, to support my family. I I started Pager. I think I, Sophie was around three years old, and William was not even born yet, right? So it was. What actually happened was I got to um, the CTO position at Broadbean and I realized that I'd hit my ceiling. So I'd wanted to start a business from when I was 18 years old. right? And uh, I went to college. I actually failed IT because I discovered weed and women. You know, that's what happens. The, the two W's. That's what, um, so found... that's what you need on your LinkedIn banner. I failed, at <laughs> I failed at IT, I discovered weeding girls, and now I run a tech company. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, it's the genuine truth, right? Because I, and also I found the IT lessons incredibly, incredibly boring because they were teaching things that I used to do when I was 14. Like I, was, I was hacking game servers. You know, I used to play a game called Wolfenstein Enemy Territory, which is an FPS game. And I, I hacked it so there was zero gravity on the server I was on, right? So I'm floating around shooting people. They were like, What's he, has he done that? So I was doing that, and then I'm being taught HTML code at, at, at college, right? And I'm like, mm, this is not really for me. So I just didn't go to the lessons, which obviously meant I failed. So I didn't go to university, didn't get that degree. Started at Broadbean as a junior dev, and then worked my way up. And it, all along, I wanted to start my own business. Like every year, I was saying to my wife, I'm, I'm a girlfriend, fiance, throughout the time, and I'm going to start my own business. And then what happened was we bought a house. You know, suddenly it's like, oh, no, I need a steady income. Yeah. Uh, I'm about to leave and I get a pay rise. I'm like, right, okay, I can't walk away now. I've just been given this opportunity. And what happened was I got so many opportunities, so many pay rises, and I got to that, that chief technology officer position. And then I realized there is no other thing that's going to hold me back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got no choice now. There's no, there's no reason not to because there's nothing else coming. Um, so it was literally the day after that I got the promotion I was working towards for 10 years that I decided, I'm going to leave. Wow. Which was a really odd feeling, a really, really odd discussion with the wife. 
Um, yeah, and then I don't know if I told you this, but so I handed my notice in, and uh, it was a week after that that we found out she was pregnant. <laughs> so she was, yeah, so she was three months pregnant. Yeah, so she, and we both looked at each other and went, right, well, I've done it now. I've always wanted to do it. Let's just agree if in six months' time I can't cover the mortgage, I get another job. Um, and that was kind of the agreement we had. So that's why we went so hard so quickly. That's why I got stuck straight into sales because literally if we weren't making money in six months time i had to get another job and this was the dream over and it was my dream that i've had since i was 18. well it's an exciting journey to to be a viewer of for sure well, thank you very much i wasn't this is weird. i'm looking forward to the um the real life music video shot with all your team like that's the next bit <laughs> Oh, uh, so you, you were referring to the rap video we did, yeah? yeah. <laughs> that song still gets stuck in my head. So it's like, get pager. <laughs> get pager. <laughs> oh, dear. Like, no, we'll release it. Like a Snoop Dogg video of like hydraulic Cadillacs and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, you'll be taking back to the weed. I don't do weed anymore. <laughs> yeah, so that was when I was younger. All <laughs> the good old days. Oh. Yeah, so, all right, so this is turning to take an interesting turn because you asked me questions. You got anything else you want to know? Because I'm an open book, right? That genuinely is me. I'm an open book. Me um, so anything else you want to know? Oh God, I've been listening to loads of like put like music podcasts, and they always end with like a top five, your top five bands, or your top five. Glenn Southam does it, like your top. He does it, your like top top stuff. But I was trying to think: is there any other stuff to ask you? I don't think so. No, well, uh, we'll do it again sometime because I've really enjoyed the beer. And uh, I don't have a top five to end on. I really, normally what I just say is I've really enjoyed the chat. I always make sure these are really laid back. You know, I've, I listen to so many podcasts where it feels forced. You know, yeah. There is no script here, as people can absolutely tell um, <laughs> yeah. if they listen to this podcast. <laughs> there is no script. Yes, I did freeze. Yes, I've had to join and we will edit it out. Um, but that's why I enjoy it so much. It's much more relax like don't get me wrong i've been on podcasts where they go oh here's a few questions but like I, I said to you before you can literally ask me anything like anything and i'll just be honest about it because there's no point like people want to know about people's journeys and like you said the fuck ups or the successes like you want like it's never an easy road like i can say that now working in marketing now is not any easier than it was back in the day i guess the difference now is more companies get it more and they understand and come some companies do want to invest in it and it's if you're a grad or you are early on in your career act like a be like a sponge that is all i did i took every opportunity like speak to as many people as possible like and don't feel like if people just feel like you're brown nosing, you're not. You're growing your own network. The more people you talk to, the more people know who you are. It's a simple. It is literally. There's no science behind it. The more people that know you, and the more people you're interacting with. If you get added to a WhatsApp group, don't be that shy one. Just be be talking. Like have input. Like it, that's like marketing. That's marketing 101. You want to grow a network. You want to grow your LinkedIn, your Instagram. What do you do? You connect with people and you join in conversation. How you progress your career in marketing is exactly the same. And it all it takes is for it's happened to me, other CEOs to see your work, and that is it. Then that's literally how I've got to where I am now, is because other people have seen what I've done on LinkedIn and gone, Oh, he, he's all right, yeah. Let's see what he's like. Let's follow him. And then months and months later, it then it turned into a lead or it was an interview that ended up where I was. So your career is the same as your marketing funnel, right? It's your yeah. awareness, engagement, interest, prospect, lead, sale, done. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's the whole like the, the whole that like, law of attraction. Like if you are, if you're like right, I want to do this, and I I've got a goal, and I always had in my head right when I get to thirty, I want to be on X amount of cash, and I want to get here. And I remember getting there thinking, oh my god, I've passed it. I was like, this is mental. And now I'm like 33. It's like, right, what's the next step? Like, where now when I'm 40, I'm like, right, what do I want to get to? So I'm like, right, I've got seven years. Like, what do I want to do when I get to there? And it's kind of, I did that when I was like 25. And I was like, right, when I'm, when I'm 25, when I was 25, I was like, right, I want to get to here in my career. I want to be a senior marketing person. So how do I do that? 
and I just need to follow the right people and start looking at what they're doing and how do I go I like that but I know I can do that a bit better so how do I do that people probably do that with me people with everyone they probably see my stuff and go oh it's all right but they're probably in big agencies and go oh that was great but let's tweak it make it a bit better I've done it to so many people's work and it's like you look at it and you go right how can I tweak that and make it more into what I'm doing yeah well let's leave it there because I think that's the best career advice you can ever give is act as a sponge so uh yeah, I'll drink to that <laughs> thank you very Cheers. much for your time Billy pleasure thank you very much you're welcome anytime let's do it again sometime